The Hamlet Podcast, episode 36. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanmerty. Hamlet has been left alone on the stage. The ghost has departed and the prince is trying to figure out what on earth he is to make of all of this new information. There's a great excitement to this little speech since everything is appearing to him in a new light. He has had his suspicions confirmed. His uncle is definitely a piece of work, and his father's untimely death was, in fact, murder. It feels as though Shakespeare is here giving dramatic voice to a literal rush of blood to the head. Yea, from the table of my memory I'll wipe away all trivial, fond records, all saws of books, all forms, all pressures past, that youth and observation copied there. And thy commandment all alone shall live within the book and volume of my brain, unmixed with baser matter. Yes, by heaven. O most pernicious woman. O villain. Villain. Smiling, damned villain. My tables. Meet it is, I set it down, that one may smile and smile and be a villain. At least I'm sure it may be so in Denmark. So, uncle, there you are. Now to my word. It is adieu, adieu, remember me, I have sworn it. Some of the speech is very clear, some might benefit from a deeper dig. One short word that can cause trouble is the one that begins the text for this episode, yea. Just a short word, three letters, Y-E-A, which tends to emphasise whatever follows it. Yeah, which is the same word but with a H, has become a very casual word in English, often part of the phrase, yeah, right, which must surely be the only example in existence of a double positive, where two positives actually make a negative. As a result, perhaps, yay in Shakespearean English can seem likewise casual, but is actually more emphatic than its contemporary counterpart. In today's text, Hamlet is convincing his father, and by extension himself, that he will do just as the ghost commanded and remember him, as discussed at the end of the previous episode. Yea, from the table of my memory, I'll wipe away all trivial fond records, all saws of books, all forms, all pressures past, that youth and observation copied there, and thy commandment all alone shall live within the book and volume of my brain, unmixed with baser matter. Yes, by heaven. This is a pretty long sentence. Seven lines of exuberant promise. Hamlet swears that he will wipe all trivial fond records, pronounced this way rather than records, from the table of his memory. Table and tablet are seemingly interchangeable here. Hamlet's extended image is of the human memory as a wax tablet, wherein things can be inscribed and copied. This is how records were kept, and he refers to the form and pressure with which they were preserved. He will erase any trivial memories from the tables of his mind in favour of remembering his father. The image of the human brain being like a tablet for remembering is used to great effect in sonnet number 122, and you can get the full text of the poem in the show notes for this episode on the website. All saws of books refers to any and all quotations that Hamlet might have jotted down to remember in the notebook of his brain that youth and observation copied there. I must confess that when I was in secondary school, I had an English teacher who insisted that we all keep a notebook and write down quotations we liked within it. 
I found it recently, hoarder that I seem to be, and was perhaps quite rightly very embarrassed to reread what I thought was worth such form and pressure when I was sixteen. Hamlet promises his departed father that thy commandment all alone shall live within the book and volume of my brain, unmixed with baser matter. Of course, what he mostly means here is that his father's instruction, to remember him, will be the only thing he'll guard in his memory, unmixed with any more trivial or, indeed, worthless things like school homework or the like. He concludes this promise with, yes, by heaven, as though closing the loop that was opened by the yea all those lines ago. Shakespeare shows his talent for capturing the human mind at work here, since, of course, the mention of baser matter leads him to think about the comparison between the old king and the new. His first thought, and doubtless Freud could tell us why, is of his mother, and he dismisses her with an uneven, incomplete line of verse. Oh, most pernicious woman. Pernicious is a very strong word. It means destructive, harmful, detrimental, particularly in a subtle or gradual way. There's plenty to ponder on there alone, but Hamlet continues from Mommy Dearest to her new husband. Oh, villain, villain, smiling, damned villain. This is a perfect example of a line with a feminine ending, showing how effective such a line can be. In one's zeal to scan all lines of verse correctly to identify how the metre is working, one might assume, since the regular line should have ten syllables, that damned would take up only one syllable. Doing so, the line would sound like this. Oh, villain, villain, smiling, damned villain. It doesn't quite work, does it? We're already on a wobbly footing since the first syllable is strong rather than weak. It's a big O. Oh. Such inversions make us really listen, and indeed this line is one really worth listening to. Adding an accent in damned makes it all the more exciting and passionate to hear. It's the first time Hamlet has really had a chance to say anything about his uncle, and he's certainly not sitting on the fence. He knows that there are eyes and ears everywhere in this castle, and so instead of continuing to vent about his villainous uncle, he chooses to write everything down, in a literal notebook. This is perhaps a neat contrast to the tables of his memory that he's just evoked. My tables. Meet it is, I set it down. Oh, that one may smile and smile and be a villain. At least I'm sure it may be so in Denmark. This is Hamlet sort of saying, I knew it. He has been wary of Claudius and his oily politics all along, and now he has proof that underneath all of those smiles, the king is, not to exhaust the word, a villain. Hamlet scribbles down whatever it is he wants to say about all of this in his notebook, a rather charming and almost innocent accessory in a world that still has wandering ghosts and armed soldiers keeping watch close by. So, uncle, there you are. Now to my mind. It is adieu, adieu, remember me. I have sworn it. Hamlet records his thoughts about his uncle and his promise to his father, a sworn promise, no less. And when he says, now to my word, this might be his saying that this will be his mantra from now on, remember his father, or perhaps just his promise. At this point, Marcellus and Horatio can stand it no longer and burst back onto the stage to find him. Shakespeare gives them a good few words to cover their calls from off stage and indeed their arrival. My lord, my lord, one of them says, Lord Hamlet answers, heaven secure him. While they're calling all of these things from off stage, 
there's a chance for Hamlet to engage in some kind of private ritual of securing his promise to his father's ghost. It's obviously up to the actor and director to decide what this might be, whether it's a prayer or a further note in the book, or indeed something else. Whatever it is, Hamlet ends it with the simple phrase, so be it. We now see something of a change in Hamlet's demeanour. Gone is the troubled, moody young prince, and instead he's surprisingly, maybe even alarmingly exuberant when the two men rejoin him. Horatio and Hamlet seem to have a secret call between them, and they match each other with it now. Hello, ho, ho, my lord. Hello, ho, ho, boy, come, bird, come. And if you thought yay was an awkward thing to say, hello, ho, ho is definitely going to be even more embarrassing when you first try and read it. Many editors suggest that this is an adaptation of a falconer's call, whereby the bird wrangler would coax the bird back onto his wrist. Whether it's supposed to sound dismissive or just affectionate, it's quite a nice image. But there's a subtle resumption of status between the friends here too. Horatio says, my lord, but Hamlet calls him boy. And it's startling to see Hamlet in control and unfazed after this encounter with, to say it again, his father's ghost, calling back in the rather more nervous Horatio and indeed Marcellus, who will speak next. Things really start to change in Hamlet at this point, but we'll save all of that excitement for the next instalment. Thank you as ever for listening, and do be sure to visit thehamletpodcast.com for what will be a bumper set of show notes for this episode. And I'll speak to you again next week.